Well, thanks for joining again this week in studio. Good to be back. Uh, Worm the Hockey Podcast, we are back again this week. Um, a number of things to go over, um, and a number of things we'll just kind of wing it on like we do every week. Why not? Why not? So, uh, Tory Krug nullifies the trade to Philly. Ryan Johansson traded to Colorado. And a number of questions surrounding the still surrounding the potential of the officiating. On so, a 1 to 10, how surprised were you to see Ryan Johansson in Colorado? Or dealt for basically nothing, which is Galchenyuk. He was that was a total salary dump. One hundred percent a salary dump because you still have uh, well fifty percent salary dump because you still have Duchesne. Right. You still have Forsberg. You still have these guys in Nashville that you got to get a salary dump. So it would make sense they'd dump it. And when you look at the history, it would make sense he'd come. He'd come to Colorado. McFarland was his assistant general manager in Columbus when he started his career. Bednar and Nolan Pratt were both in the in the organization with Springfield, their AHL team, when he started his career. So there is a there's a deep connection where when it came time to find your two center and and take on a guy that can fill a role with Landy out and all this stuff, it would make sense that they sit in the war room and they go, "Here we go." I I, I like yeah, this him. This is my guy. Listen, we we've seen this kid since he was a teenager. In the Western League, he's a big, talented guy. He's huge. He's just an underachiever so far, and I don't know if that's just natural or what it is. In fact, the question mark for me around his, him is he just had surgery too. So there's, there's maybe that's why you got him for free. I, but we saw he had a he had a little brother playing for the Rockets. We we saw him play in Kelowna, uh, and he was actually one of the defense partners for Cal Foot when Cal was there. So this is a this is a talented bunch of people, but I know this kid has been frustrating people for for ten years because he just he doesn't ever get to that forty goal, fifty assist mark. Like you always expect a big, huge, skillful player like that. The beauty in Colorado you don't need him to be. Exactly. And that's so that's in why. Colorado you don't need him to be. He can be a second line center. He's big bodied. He can play in the corners like we've seen. He can win face offs like the Avalanche need. Yep. But he can he he can slot in as your two center. He can slot in on the power play. He can slot in uh, as a third line wing. He can slot in in these spots. And he doesn't need to be kind of like Nachushkin a little bit. He doesn't need to be a guy that puts up thirty goals and ninety five points. He can he can blend in a little bit and be a guy that that puts up. 20, 20, right. 20 and 35 right. or whatever, and and be a nice addition depth-wise. Look how that worked out for Nazem Kadri. When they when they tucked him in behind McKinnon, he had a lot more freedom. He, he got a lot better. He got a lot more quality minutes with good matchups. Johansson may, he may for the first time in his career, see favorable matchups pretty much every night. Which is going to be, I mean, if he plays to 90% of his potential, he's a steal. Absolute steal. Absolutely. So Jordan Stahl resigned. I Jordan Stahl resigned four years, 2.9, I believe. 2.9. Um, just, we just mentioned it. Um, Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno, um, I'm assuming, since they're going to the same place, that it's a package deal. Haven't heard a return yet on, on that deal, but it is... Um, it is to Chicago. Um, Kevin Hay is likely to St. Louis, 
pending some reworking of, of things after Tory Krug nullified or, or used his um, no movement clause or no trade clause to nullify that portion of the deal yeah. between Philly and yeah, St. Yeah. Louis. Um, so there's a number of things going on, a number of things happening. Uh, the draft is coming up in as much as a week, if not before that, and then free agency. Um, I have not heard, though it's looking like with a bunch of the salary dumps, that the cap's only going up by one. That's the that's the word from the league, uh, going up by one million for this year, which is, that's that's another mess for the players re- repaying that that huge loan that they took during the COVID lockdowns. And so they're, they're re- trying to get that repaid in addition to escrow, in addition to a $1 million salary cap increase, which is like giving your kid an extra dime at the end of the week for allowance. There's just no, it, it's, it's not enough to make a difference. Yeah. Um, so. a number of different headlines to, to touch on, um, rumors going around, the Blues may use one of their first-round draft picks for um, a guy like Kyle Connor out of Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a rumor. Um, the Kings uh, moved Dersey. Uh, they're also looking to dump some more cap. Where Ma- did Dersey go? Arizona. Oh, man. So he was traded to Arizona. Poor so they guy. want to re-sign Gavrikov in L.A. They want to clear space. Arvidsson is likely a guy they use to clear some cap space. Right. Um, Boy, that's too bad. I, I, Sean Dersey was really starting to become a, a good, sturdy, everyday guy. Despite the like despite him. the drama in Arizona, Keller is said to be optimistic about the future of that franchise. So um, fans there can hold out hope that their star is staying put. Um, Boston Bruins likely will have to lose one of one of, if not all three of. Bertuzzi, Orloff, and Hathaway. Yeah, where do you, you know, Hathaway's going to be the cheapest of the bunch. Uh, Bertuzzi fit in so well down through the playoff stretch. And uh, I don't know. And and Orloff played great. So you hate to lose one, let alone all three, but <clears throat> they backed themselves into some calorie, salary cap trouble. Ryan, yep. Ryan O'Reilly um, with Treliving um, has started the cursory talks of an extension. Um, there's also th- thoughts that he's open to a reunion in St. Louis. What, however that works. Um, he's, he's off the, um, he's off the board in Colorado with the Johansson signing, right? Again, in Colorado, I don't want to say they got more than they do, but I also don't want people to just jump on the bandwagon that they, that there's not much they can do. Right. You're going to have seven million in Landy's money. Now, I'm again, I'm careful with this because again, remember, M- McKinnon's new contract kicks in this year. Right. So he's so a chunk of that money is going to go to him because of his new contract. Nonetheless, you get Landy's seven million. You you add four with Johansson. But you potentially, depending on what else you do, you lose Gerard, which is five million. Johnson's off Gerard the books. Johnson, um, yeah. and I hope the guy resigns. But I, you know, he already said he was going to test free agency. And I think, honestly, as much as I really, really like Eric Johnson, he's out of his mind. 
why you wouldn't stay in Colorado, why you wouldn't stay here. He's a member at Glenmore. Why stay here and have some fun? The rumor, the rumor is out for the league mini. The rumor is, is they don't want to re-sign him. He's not. Oh my goodness. The rumor is the organization, even at league minimum, doesn't want to bring him back. Now that baffles me. Why you? That, why? Why you, as McFarland or Sackick, wouldn't want to give him one mil, league minimum one mil for one or two years, right? And and let him stay. He's he's proven his worth to this organization during the tumultuous times. He's he's got he's a member at golf clubs. He's huge in the community. So I I don't know. But again, it's just rumor. So well, the, I'll tell you the only thing that I would say in defense of him not living up, and this goes back 15 years, is that he was a first overall pick, and he will have a tremendously solid. NHL career. He'll be an everyday defenseman, a top pair guy for, for a dozen years. He'll make a pile of money, won a Stanley Cup. He's a he's been fantastic. But you get when you look at number one overall picks, you do get a little spoiled by it. from from the context of of first overall pick alone. Leave every other aspect out. Did Johnson live up to being worthy of a first overall pick? Maybe not, but when you look at the the course of his career, he's, he's been he's been invaluable to the Colorado Avalanche, he's rock solid. and he is rock solid. Yep. And so, yeah, it's a, it depends on how you how specific you want to look at it. But he he not only he, when you really really look at his career, he not only lived up, but he exceeded expectations for what for the type of player he is. He's he's a stay at home big-bodied, reliable defenseman. And, and based on that, he lived up. Just look at a guy who he's been around this long. It's easy to look at your expectations properly. When he's 18 years old coming 100%. out of high school in Minnesota, who knows what he's going to turn into at 25 or 30. Now we know. So your expectation is he's he's at this point in his career, he's a third third-pair guy. He can kill penalties. He can block shots. He can eat minutes. But if you're putting him out there to score 50 or 60 points, you got the wrong guy. I, I understand the argument that he didn't live up when he's a first overall pick and he's three years into his career. Yeah. Which is why, which is why, why St. Louis, St. Louis traded Louis him. Cut him loose. Right? So from that, from that point in his career, okay, he didn't live up. But for the past 11 plus years, he has exceeded expectations for what you expected him to be in Colorado. Yep. Plain and simple. Yep. And now I'm not saying he exceeded expectations and lived up to the to the level of being a jersey retirement this type and that but what I am saying is you you at least have to look at it objectively and if he doesn't resign at least be fan enough to go I'm going to miss him. Yeah. And you will miss him. Transitioning um you spoke to our officiating friend. Yep. Uh, we touched we touched last week on some rumored or speculated potential, maybe what would we think about rule changes? Um, one of them was the idea of video review for missed penalties. And now missed, let me clarify here, missed penalties would mean not only penalties that officials didn't call, but also penalties that officials did call that they potentially got wrong. Right. So, so that covers both sides of it when I say missed. So missed 
So for review for missed penalties that resulted in a goal. The impossible one to implement. And you spoke to our officiating yeah. friend about it. So the the absolutely impossible one to implement would be the one where a penalty was called and it led to a goal and the penalty was wrong. Because then how how far do you go before you find out that it didn't actually lead to a goal? So if the penalty's called, do you wait until the entire power play is over and then reset the clock, evaluate the penalty, and try again? What if the power play goes out and doesn't score a goal? Then you then you cut the whole thing loose. So that one is pretty much impossible. The one that you might be able to get away with and it would start to get you know, pages of complexity is the one where you've got to call you you have a coach's challenge before a power play starts or if if a uh if, if it's a delayed call like right you, so it would get complex having having a potential review on on top of a potential review right. so you're not not only looking at the potential offside was he offside or not or was that goaltender interference but you're also looking at oh wait 30 seconds before that was that a hooking right yeah. So, so it, I, on paper, on paper, I like the idea. I know video review is too much, but with the, how horrendous the officiating has been, especially this year's playoffs, I like the idea of it because it it adds some more transparency. But but like always, it's it's how you implement it and how you go about it. And I, there, to me, it's hard for me to piece together how logistically you would actually do it there is in all of these rule changes they've all been well intended so okay let's take out the red line to speed the game up well let's put the red line back in to slow the game down because guys are getting clobbered at center ice let's put in the trapezoid to take away the advantage of goaltenders to play the puck oh well let's take out the trapezoid because now defensemen are getting pasted at the on the end boards all these things are, yeah, and take out, put in the instigator penalty to stop those fights. Put it back in because guys are getting hurt because they're taking liberties. Okay, so there is, every time the league tries to implement a new rule that goes really against the tradition of the game, there is a law of unintended consequences, and it is irrefutable. So this is one that, as you said, it looks good on paper. I hope they never tinker with it. Because this would open up a can of worms that I don't even want to. I don't even want to see how this gets done. I, I don't want to see it at the AHL level. I don't want to see it in preseason. I hope they leave this thing alone. I I still believe that most of the time the guys get the calls right on the ice. Let it go. I know there was a lot of controversy this year, but hey, you know, like I always say, stick around a while. It'll even out. For from a devil's advocate perspective, I will argue the other. <laughs> I know we we've had this discussion on and, camera, and it's a hard lot. to not argue the other. I know, when, especially after the controversy of Tim Peel, yeah, two years ago, that was a hot mic situation. But it it's it's like the the argument of intoxication, the 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 idea that your thoughts and your words when you're intoxicated are your true thoughts. <laughs> we just don't hear them when you're right. sober. The idea around that would be that Tim Peel said, unfortunately on a hot mic, what 
all the officials do and think on a nightly basis. And so whether, whether it's the situation that, that, whether it's that situation that has created all this where now people are now aware or what, it, it's, it's bad news because it becomes a situation where now you, you, whether you realize you're doing it or not, you're basing every game, every call on what Tim Peel said. And now you <laughs> sit there and you go, you go, well, did they choose to call Tyson Jost because eight minutes ago this was called when maybe they thought it shouldn't have been, so now they're taking one just to even it out? Like it just it it becomes or not calling it because of this, and it becomes a situation. And and I'll I'll bring up our um, officiating friends quote that I found um, just to add context to it. Um, he was quoted as saying. Calls are not ignored. They are missed. Yep. And That's no one feels worse than the referee who missed them. Now, it's hard for me to look at Pat Maroon nailing Giordano from behind in this year's playoffs and that official looking right at it and watching it happen and not calling it and saying that he just missed it. It's hard, and I'll use that as a... a a relevant example, but it's hard to see these things where if, with all the cameras and all the eyeballs on these things and you still miss it or get it wrong. It, it's hard to, to reconcile that fact. It's hard to reconcile the, and this, this is more league than officiating with this example, but it's hard to reconcile the fact that, that Kale McCarr gets a one game suspension for nailing McCann late interference 100% but he gets a suspension but Jordan Eberly breaks Caligiano's neck no. nothing Dumba blindsides Pavelski and not only does he blindside Pavelski with no supplementary discipline but you t- anybody you talk to they they see nothing wrong with the hit they see nothing wrong with this they see, and everything like that it's it's a problem you can't it's an inconsistency problem and I, and and there's a level of it that is a hundred percent human being, absolutely. The same way officials make mistakes on the ice, police officers, firefighters, all these people—they're humans. Things happen, but there's being human and things happening, and then there's the thought or the idea that there's some actual calling it as you go, making it up as you go, happening. And that's how it seems, especially when the league also then and officials also don't come out and provide that transparency. All you get from them is quotes like this. The the problem, and that's devil's advocate as much as it and as much as anything. Um, there is some truth to how I feel about it in there, but it is as much devil's advocate as that, just for the sake of discussion. This is a, I believe that even though these guys I don't I don't think for a minute that there's anybody out there playing favorites. I don't think there's anybody out there that says, "Well, I don't like this guy, so I'm going to let that one go," mm-hmm. or "I don't like this team or that coach." That's not how they operate as far as I know. And and you and I have met several. But there probably is some there's probably some rectifying like maybe between periods or during stoppages where, gee, I really think we might have missed that one, guys. You know, we might have, that one we probably should have called and let it go. Or we called that one and it shouldn't have been. So 
in the back of your mind, there's a little bit of reconciliation to be done, maybe a, a makeup call to, to come soon, or during a timeout or between periods, you, you realize that if you hadn't been thinking about it prior, that you've called five minors on one team and one on the other. And you know that there's no coach on the short end of that deal that's going to let that go in the post-game presser. He's going to be talking about how how is it that we only got one power play and they got a half a dozen, let alone the fact that maybe your team just had their sticks up all night or was hitting guys late. But it won't. It never looks quite right, and the officials don't like to be in that situation, even though it may be a hundred percent justified. So they there's always some. I'm, conscious I'm, or unconscious means to try to keep the playing field level. I'm fine with it if it's if it's a justified situation. So if if I call three penalties on the Nashville Predators and the Minnesota Wild come out and now I'm calling penalties on Minnesota that shouldn't be penalties because wait a minute, <laughs> optically it doesn't look if look right if Nashville has more penalties than Minnesota. Now you got a problem. Right. But if you call five penalties on Nashville and you haven't called anybody on on Minnesota, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden Ryan Reeves comes out, lays a shoulder to shoulder check, and you're getting him for boarding. Now I now I call it into question because right. you're not you're not if it's skewed, it's skewed, and it's skewed because the other team just played undisciplined. It needs to be that type of consistency. This idea, this idea where where you're going out and and you're using the back of your mind to go, oops. Ooh, okay, now I'm overly sensitive. So now, okay, his stick hits him in the chest, but Gaudreau throws his head back. So yeah, I'm calling it. Like you, it you can't. It it doesn't. That doesn't look right. And you, you, like Manson in the playoffs gets called for hooking on, on, in against Seattle. Right. Um, on Tanev, and when you watch. He ne- his he never actually touches Tanev like he never touches him. Tanev just whiffed he, on it, right. and they called it a penalty. And it, it's things like that. And the game's fast, and the you know this or that happened. The human aspect, a hundred percent. All I'm advocating for is consistency. All I'm asking for as a fan or anybody else is just not only have, be consistent, but if you're going to stay, say you live up to a standard, actually live up to the standard. Well. Everybody wants it the same way. The officials do, the league does, the coaches, the players. You know, it's just, it's no different than a home plate umpire. I don't care if that thing is, if it's three inches off the black of the plate on the outside, and that's a strike in the first inning for the home team, make it a strike for both teams in the ninth inning. Keep it the same all the way through. And that's, and I, I, I believe in the, in the pure intentions of the officials. Do we all make mistakes? Of course, but I, I don't think there's anybody who doesn't at least try to get it right. And that's why, for the most part, officials still want video review, not because they want to be second guessed, but because they want it to get right. They don't want teams to win on calls that maybe you know are going to be replayed on top tens for the next twenty years. And they're still talking about Wayne Gretzky's high stick on Doug Gilmore, by the way, in 1993. So, no, I, so anyway, it's just, it's, it's one of those topics that, that I get passionate about. We'll just say, so, um, Eric Carlson, Eric Carlson wants out of San Jose. Shocker. Um, he's requested out. He wants to play for a contender again with his salary. 
what contender is going to really be able to take him on unless San Jose is willing to eat 50-plus percent of it. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, are there – you know, you look you look down the list at contenders that have cap space at all, and there's actually I, – I thought there might be none, but there are a few teams in here like New Jersey, Carolina um, – certainly Colorado, the Rangers, there are some teams here that have a little bit of cap space to play with. Now, they've got to think a year or two ahead of time, but I was I was thinking when I saw that $1 million cap increase this year, oh, well, that's going to mean crickets for the whole summer and fall, but I'm not so sure that there isn't going to be some activity because there's some teams that have money to spend out there, and if they do it right, they'll be able to shore up holes and still have enough left over for the spring yeah but not when you're taking on 11 million dollars worth of eric carlson no no no, absolutely not um we're likely going to see this offseason that vegas is in on every big free agent again (laughs) every year that seems to be the thing i don't understand how they not only retain the salary that they have but every year they're in on literally every big free agent. Yeah, I know. I, I, I don't know how they pull that off. It's it's going to be it's going to be strange for Vegas because they've got the. I mean, Eichel and Stone are going nowhere. Bill Carlson is still he's pretty good value. March is so good value. <clears throat> One year left. Um, I don't know. I mean, I just, I just don't see. I don't see where they stand to save any money. The, they're, the, the guys in their lineup that are disposable or can be interchanged, they're not, making, they're not making much money. I mean, you can't replace Brett Howden for any less than he's making. No. You can't. Barbashev's the same way. He may have a pretty good payday. But, man, you can't. I mean, they're, like Keegan Colasar plays a lot of meaningful minutes. He's a, he's a great asset in that lineup. But he's making a million four. You can whack him and, and a handful of other guys. You're only going to come up with five or six million dollars. Yep. Yep. A paltry five or six million dollars. And on the back end, they don't have a lot of overpaid guys back there either. Shea Theodore's making five two, like Alec Martinez. Braden McNabb's less than three. White Cloud's less than three. Nick Haig. I mean, this is a. It, if your glass is half full, this is a lineup full of guys that are not overpaid except for the top two, you know, basically Eichel and Stone. But the trouble is, if you're trying to find room in the salary cap someplace, there's not there's not a whole lot of places to find. Well, that's the problem. That's the trouble they're in is you got those two main guys making the bulk of the money, but yet you're still right up against the cap in Vegas. How much cap space do they have? Uh, four. Four million. So you're yeah. right there with only those two being the main heavy hitters cap wise. Yep. So what, so what is it that put again, puts you in a, a tough spot where now all of a sudden Marcia so needs a, a, a new contract with an undoubtable pay raise. What do you give him? Because without having to let him go because they're 4 million against right up against the cap. So it's, it's one of those situations where, you know, I said this, I said this earlier to, to somebody I was talking to, I'll say it again. You can only keep it up for so long. Eventually, things will crumble in Vegas, and they'll have to start to clear out some contracts because you just you can't. You every year you you 
you pay Mark Stone what you paid him, but then you're you're out getting Petrangelo, or your you or your I or your Eichel, and you get Eichel, and then you're in on Gabe Landeskog when he's a free agent. <laughs> like it, you you just it, the money doesn't add up there. So it, eventually, it'll have to. Point. That's the point, and we talk about this quite often over the years. That you the idea behind the salary cap was so that Chicago back in their heyday. They had to turn over six or eight guys in their roster, key players, a handful of them every single year, and they had to juggle that cap. And the idea is between the draft lottery, which we've already talked about the about the uh, the mothballs in that thing, but between the draft lottery and the salary cap, it's meant so that teams, it's nearly impossible for a team to go on a ten or fifteen year run. You can you better win your cup in a window of three, four, five years because you're not you know the Bruins did it for a long time, and and good for them. But the, that's the whole point behind it. And I you know and just as a side note, looking at the looking at the roster in Vegas, the the only guy that I'd be concerned about is is Brett Howden, and he's a he was a real valuable guy in that bottom six, uh, but he's RFA, so he's you know they've. They can do basically what they want with him, and um, and he's not going to break. Even, he's not going to even fiddle with their three or four million dollar cap space. So yeah. good for them for now. Keep uh, don't change a thing. He's the only one they've got to move. They've got to do something with yeah. in the off season. This off season. What is what is what is next season or the season after mean for Vegas? Coming up, um, yeah. Lots of there lots were two, of luck in the neck in between now and 2026. Uh, the next two seasons, they've got they've got monster issues. Yeah. So they're gonna have to. They better hope they're developing from from within. Yeah. As we transition here to continue on the conversation, I will mention here the return for Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno is in. It is um, Ian Mitchell. Okay. And Alec Regula. Wow. So for our listeners that that crickets of silence speaks to to who are these guys? What? I know Ian Mitchell went to DU. He was a yeah, DU guy. Right. Um Alec Regula is I'm assuming some prospect or some something like that. Um So clearly but clearly the point is the return for this makes it very very clear that what Boston is doing is a salary dump. Yeah. They're taking some younger guys on for the sake of clearing out your eight million dollar Taylor Hall. Yeah, is what you're doing. So, and they've got Chicago has Chicago needs to get to the floor. They need to get to the salary floor. So they're you know they've they're not they're in the almost the opposite situation as everybody else, losing Kane and Taves, and having the churn in that roster that they do. Uh, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna have money to play with, so to speak. So, what's what's the off season look like for Minnesota? Of teams we're talking about up against the cap, you know, they've they've been consistent but floundered in the playoffs. All these different things. What what's the off season look like? Because there was because they pushed this year, and there's there's been speculation all year that this was kind of their year to do it before they kind of had to. Maybe not a full blow up, but take take it apart a little bit. And so, you know, like Dumba, he's will, will he be on the move? You know, Ryan Hartman. You know, all these all these guys. Dumba and Klingberg 
are the are the UFAs. Um, Kalen Addison is restricted. He's good young prospects, so he'll stick around. Uh, up front, Sunquist and Reeves are, are really the the only impact players that are UFA, and neither of them neither of them is a high dollar guy. If they even re-sign Revo, uh, but everybody else is restricted, so they're a little bit on the order of Vegas. This so they they can stand pat they can a little stand bit, fairly pat. They've got eight million to spend, and they've and they've only got excuse me, they've got um, well, they've got sixteen guys under contract. So for eight million bucks, we're talking about seven and eight, seventh and eighth defensemen, and ten through fourteen forwards. So I, I don't see them having a big problem so far. They're gonna everything they're dealing with is depth, and they've got enough money to spend on depth type players like Duhame. Yeah. Uh, would you Would you say the same about Nashville? Yes, with the exception of Nashville not being at this point not being overly competitive. Well, here's here's it, and here's so here's they got twenty million dollars in space going in, but. First of all, they're not a great team. Yeah. And I don't know, you know, like where where are you going to go to spend that money? They they've got they've got no issues with high dollar guys. So they've got a they they're they're impact players on the top 6 and the top 2 pair are pretty well locked up if everyone stays healthy. Uh Calfoot's restricted, Alex Carrier's restricted. Rasmus Asplund and Cody Glass are restricted. So nobody's got big, big problems there, but they need to get competitive. So after dumping the jo- half the Johansson salary, they need to come out and find some talent somewhere. And I don't, I don't know that they have a lot of great talent coming from within. They've got a, a couple of recent draft picks, which may be most likely are still too young. The reason I ask this is because we you look at teams like this, and, and where they are with the salary cap and where they've been competitive competitively. You look at what happens during the off season and teams add and they, they do things to adapt and grow and evolve so that they can stay competitive and, and continue to grow, right? The problem with a lot of these teams is they don't really need to blow it up salary-wise because they can stand pat. Right. But the problem is is that they can't, as a result, though, they can't go out and spend to add. No. Because, right, so so at that point, like, Colorado just got deeper down the middle with, with the addition of Johansson. Nashville, they cleared his at least half of his salary, but who what can they spend money on to get better and stay up with the likes of Colorado and Minnesota in the Central? Yep. Right, it's it's one of those things, right? So it's it's it's, it's they it, here's here's the trick. You could look at you look at Nashville this year. You say, well, they've got twenty million dollars to spend, and they've got all their all their main the top half of their roster is intact. But by the end of next year, by this time next year, it's not going to be intact. They're going to have nine guys that they've got to resign. So it would be lovely to go out and spend a bunch of that twenty million bucks this year. But then, what are you left with? Right. You, so right, it's right it's now. a situation where it's a situation where Minnesota and Nashville again. It seems like that's the way they are every year. They kind of fall in the middle where 
where they could go either way. But either way, though, nonetheless, the point is when you look at their salary situation, they are in a position like Minnesota was last year. Luckily for them, Minnesota can be that way one more year at least, and that is go for it this year because next year we're going to have we're going to have no choice but to make some tough decisions. And so is is this the year whether no matter what you do during free agency that Nashville and Minnesota really push to try and and get to the to the finish line because because yeah, next it, year you're you're out you're out Matt Duchesne and you're out this and you're out that or whatever the case may be. So well they've got they're stuck with Duchesne and I say that with all due respect, they're stuck, stuck with Duchesne for another two or three years. Um, their problem isn't money. The problem is not cap space. The problem is that Matt Duchesne is the only top six, legitimate top six talent on their roster. He's it. They've got a couple of kids in the system. Philip Forsberg's there, but Zach, he's... Zach LaRue is coming along and... and uh, Man, maybe maybe could you throw Mark Jankowski into that? But yeah, beyond, uh, golly, I don't know where where are they going to come up to score goals? I, I don't know what I don't know what they're doing with um, how's what's Forsberg's contract look like right now? Didn't he just resign? Yeah, I thought so for eight times long term. Yeah, so he's there. But again, <clears throat> Forsberg though, again, he he can be there, but he's proven now. Again, it's part of the problem with with the guys around you right you could argue and it's no way comparing Forsberg to McDavid but it but the argument contextually is still the same it's about who's around you right Forsberg's a, a skilled player but with nobody around you Forsberg doesn't produce the way you would expect him to produce right so so the reason that's the reason why I too give credibility to your statement that Duchesne is all they have because if because Duchesne's proven that he can put up forty goals despite the lineup. Right. Forsberg is different. Forsberg needs your your Niederreiter and your your Johansson and your guys around him in order to put up thirty goals. And is that there now? I don't know. So they they may be able to do something in free agency, but they're also going to have to hope that guys like Mike McCarron, Kiefer Sherwood, Cody Glass, that those guys come along and start to produce at the, at, at least a middle six level. Yeah. Um, so those, that's a couple of them. A couple more question marks to get to prior to the season. Um, we cover Minnesota. We cover Nashville. Anaheim's a question. Um, Gibson is looking like he wants out, like he'll maybe be a, a viable replacement for Jari in Pittsburgh. Um, Potentially, that's the rumor. Yep. Um, I heard that one. So Anaheim's a question mark. Another question mark, and and I throw Anaheim in one because of our favorite goalie, but also um, <laughs> with uh, Cronin, the AHL Colorado Eagles coach, yep. being named head coach in in Anaheim. That's a um, I like him. He, he did wonderful for the Eagles. Could could do well. Who knows? Um, he works well with young team with young players, so that Apparently. might be what he's what they're trying for. Um, but the big question marks, and the, one of them will be what they what always seems to be one for you and me during the off season. Um, but Vancouver and Philadelphia, and Philadelphia for you and me always seems to be the one that we're either not sure about or we're picking to win the East because it's just. <laughs> I really liked that roster. I've even come to have a, a, 
a different kind of regard for Torts as a coach. But man, did they get beat up this year? They played the whole year uh, without uh, Couturier. They were they were just they were an injury mess this year. Uh, I still like their depth. I like their talent. I like their size. Are they legitimate contenders? Yeah, I don't know. Kind of depends on on uh, Carter Hart and a couple of other you know defensemen developing. But if they stayed healthy. They can be they can be pretty scary. I don't know if they're in the class with the New York Rangers and and uh, you know some of the other top contenders, whether it's Tampa or, or Carolina in the East. But they're I still don't think that that's not a team that I would look to blow up at all. I would I would try to shore up a little bit of depth and maybe find a steal in the high end. But I, I sure don't I sure wouldn't be concerned about trying to do something. Uh, with that roster They're, they've got seven million dollars in cap space they don't have um they don't have anybody this year or next in the top echelon of their salary structure that they've got to resign so they've got two years to play around six million bucks and you know there's probably some guys like Ristolainen or D'Angelo or somebody like that that could fetch uh could fetch some prospects or some depth and dump some salary i i like them uh if they get cam atkinson and couturier back and everybody's healthy geez i i still don't i still don't have any problem with that uh with that roster it would depend on the return for kevin hayes and it would also um there's a and d'angelo is rumored to be going back to carolina oh really so um in a trade so we'll see how that shakes out um but yeah so in the coming weeks, we can. Who's the other one? Vancouver. Vancouver. So we'll touch on Vancouver in a second. In okay. in the coming weeks, we'll, we'll after the draft and after free agency, we can do an episode where we we do a our typical annual preseason preview where we go through all the teams and all yeah. the divisions, especially after things have shaken out free agents wise and draft wise, to kind of see where rosters sit and how sure. how we see see things. Um, but it's it's something something we can do. But prior to that, the other question mark is Vancouver. Um, what do you do with Besser? What are they in on Laf- on Lafreniere? Are you know J T Miller? All these question marks. What what do you do in Vancouver? Because they always seem for the past how many years on paper going into the year they always seem like a team that could surprise you and can be at the top and then they just they don't. There, this is a classic underachiever team. I'm a fan of Brock Besser. J T. Miller's proven himself to be a frontline guy. Pedersen, if he could stay healthy, Connor Garland, Bavillier, the kid. Pod Colson, seen him play since he was 16 years old. He's got the potential to be a top six guy for sure. Di Giuseppe and Studnika, uh, they, Sheldon Dries, they've got some guys that can play in that roster, they, but they've got to play to their potential. And the same goes for Quinn Hughes. And you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to throw Tyler Myers in there because I think at at six million dollars at 33 years old, he's he's peaked out. Thatcher Demko is a, you know, he's a he's a question mark, and I don't know what their I don't know what the long term situation is for Ethan Bear and Tanner Pearson, Tucker Poolman, but those are those are some key elements in that roster. Again, 
they're one of those stuck in the they're in no man's land they're maybe good enough to make the playoffs maybe not not bad enough to be a lottery team certainly not good enough to contend there and and you throw them in with nashville and a handful maybe for flyers and a handful of others they're just they're not rebuilding they're not rebuilt it's a that's a tough situation they don't have a lot of cap space but I would I always look at a roster like that that has talented young players like Brock Besser and Pedersen and and Hughes and and then to blow that up by the time it gets rebuilt those guys are all UFAs and they're 28 30 years old and you're going to lose them anyway so I just I really struggle to try to to try to rebuild a team that is that close to being good. Yep, yep. So anyway, a number of question marks there. Uh, we'll close with... Why, why don't we see if we can get our Ducks expert on in the next week or two after the draft to talk about what Anaheim's future looks like? That way we, you and I could just sit back and can watch sit back and, and watch the fun, yeah. <laughs> That'll be a, a rated P, PG-13 or rated R episode for that week. Um, we'll close with our favorite topic. It's our favorite topic every year. The wonderful, world-class, top-notch NHL awards are tonight. As of this recording, as of this recording, they are tonight. And I can't tell you how wonderfully excited I am and how awesome each category is and how every year... They hit the nail on the head. With, I'll be watching with how Netflix. They... Let me know how it goes. I, I haven't watched. I honestly haven't watched the awards in there's no point. 25 years. So uh, here's I go with the awards and any Olympic event that is judged as opposed to timed or has a scorecard. I don't care. It's just conjecture. Oh, yeah. It's just a bunch of usually. A, a bunch of overweight journalists sitting around at the at the uh, media buffet with gravy stains all over their shirt, arguing about who's better than whom. It's totally meaningless to me. Yep. I couldn't care less. I love Connor McDavid for what he can do. Everybody gets tired of watching somebody win it every single year. But where do you you know like I would I would hate to find out what Ed, what Vancouver looks like. What Edmonton looks like without him in the lineup? Oh, 100 percent. And is, and is Nuge and and I'm 100 percent. Guys, can they carry? I'm 100 percent from an MVP standpoint, saying he is the the MVP in Edmonton, 100 percent. But for but the if you look at the definition of what the Hart Trophy is, is Connor McDavid 100 percent the Art Ross Trophy winner? Yes. From a scoring standpoint, yes. But from a an MVP, you you carried your team to the to paradise type of type of mentality. That's not to undercut the type of per, person and or player that McDavid is. It, no. But it, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it from the way that I that I think you and I can both agree the award should be, and that is you need to look at it objectively on on these certain criterias and. McDavid, hand him the Art Ross, 100, 120, 150 points, whatever, absolutely. But from an, an MVP heart, look at what you did for the Edmonton Oilers organization, playoff Stanley Cup, here you go. Here's Until he does that, I don't know. And you, you look at it from, you look at it from this standpoint, 
the duct-taped roster that the Avalanche had this year, 55 goals for Miko Rantanen. Is he even in the discussion for a Hart Trophy? Take it, picking up the slack for an injured Nathan McKinnon, for Landy being out all year? Is he carrying him to first in the Central and being right there in the playoffs again? When on paper you could almost argue at some point during the year they, they weren't going to make it, they wouldn't have been there? Is he in the discussion for the Hart Trophy? No, he's not. Jared Bednar, look at what he did with, with that lineup, duct-taped lineup. Is he in the discussion for Coach of the Year? No. And so, and, and I, I use that less about bias and more just because we're in Colorado and so it's relevant. There's, there's factors to these things that need to be included that just aren't for the sake of 140-point Connor McDavid. That's all. I'm not railing on McDavid. I'm just I'm looking at the overall reaching of how ridiculous the awards are. There are so many good players in the league. And there are really good players carrying really mediocre teams, whether it's a goaltender or a goal scorer or a defenseman. That's that's all fantastic, but everybody's got an argument to make. There's 30 oh, teams. There's probably 20 legitimate 100%. guys. So I don't like the the idea of voting mm-hmm. on it. I don't. That's why I don't care about it. Everybody's everybody's but, got their opinion. Everybody's got uh, an argument to make. I'm sitting here making my argument. We everybody's got their argument to make, including, including for McDavid sweeping the awards every year. And and hey, you you got that argument. That's a fair argument, especially because at the end of the day, we have no say in it. We we banter back and forth, but we have no say in it. But it, I'm just I'm I'm basically getting it off my chest so that I I don't walk away from this having things left unsaid. That's basically no, what I'm doing. So. I'm glad you brought it up because honestly, I mean, and I mean this for every listener, I didn't even know the awards were tonight. I I didn't either. even thought about it. I saw it in my group message. I didn't see it. I didn't see it until somebody posted in my group, my fantasy hockey group text. Hey, guess what's tonight? Who's watching? And I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there reading it, rolling my eyes going. Who watches that? Like seriously, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna watch fart videos on Instagram. So among the among the many many flaws in this whole awards thing is that they don't take the playoffs into consideration. Nope. So it doesn't matter. Here's a somebody somebody like uh, I don't know. Pick someone. Jack Eichel or Mark Stone carries their team into the playoffs, or the or the Aiden Hill kid or whatever. Somebody carries their team into the playoffs. Petrangelo wins the Stanley Cup. It's not a consideration. I don't even think the whole thing ends. I don't even think Aiden. I don't even think Aiden Hill is in discussion for Vesna. No, probably not. But yet, and look at what he did for Vegas to win a Stanley Cup. So found the magic at the right time. It's one of those things. Whether you include playoffs or not, though, the point, the overall point is the awards are. You want to talk about voter bias the awards are biased they're they're flawed and they're just it's it's basically a spectacle to bring them all together with a bunch of celebrities and and hoot and holler that's really really what it is i agree it's a it's a it's a fanfare thing it's like uh you know, the norris the norris trophy going every year to to the highest scoring defenseman and i say that i say that knowing very well that my guy mccarr won it last year and is up for it again I like McCarr winning awards, but McCarr being defenseman of the year or Carlson or anybody else because they scored the most points, come on. And I'm not at all arguing that an Eric Johnson should win the Norris Trophy, but but I use him, I use him to make my argument, and that is that type of guy 
what Eric Johnson represents, that type of stay-at-home defenseman, that is a Norris Trophy candidate defenseman. The the plus minus being what it is blocked shots ice time stay at home you know doing doing that type of leadership that is a defenseman that you want and that is a defenseman that should be voted defenseman of the year not a guy not a defenseman as skilled as they are who comes out and puts up 85 points there's been talk for 25 years of splitting the defense award into norris for the best defenseman and maybe bobby Orr or something for the for the best offensive defenseman, which would make a lot of sense. Still, it's voted on. The only one that mattered to me, the only the only one that ever matters to me, is the one that the players vote on themselves. The players vote for their for the guy that they feel is the most, you know, most uh, valuable or whatever the criteria are. That one matters because it's the players. The rest of it, I'm not really just don't care. <laughs> so anyway, those of you that are watching the awards, have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Drink your cocktails. Do whatever you need to. Enjoy it. I will not. I will be with. I will be with my son, probably at the park or doing something. And you, you enjoy it. Let me know how it went. So anyway, I appreciate it. Thanks for joining this week. Um, hopefully next week or the week after, we can have our favorite goaltender with us. Um, Let's do it. Canada Day and July Fourth both coming. up. Canada Day, July Fourth, both coming up. Free agency, July first. The draft coming up, I think, what, in a week? No, it's just in a few days, the end of this week. Or Yeah, Friday, right? Friday this week. Thursday? Thursday or Friday. Um, and then, yeah, and then after that we'll do our uh, season preview episode where we kind of look at how rosters look and where, where we think things will fall. Every year we pick somebody and then we're wrong. Yeah, like last, well, last year or the year before we picked the Flyers and then completely <laughs> shit the bed with that one. But um, so. Yeah, it's. It's always fun, and the calendar just keeps flipping faster mm-hmm. and faster, it seems like. Yeah. This makes the world go round. Love it. Thanks for having me Absolutely. On. We appreciate you guys. Uh, check out our social media, uh, Facebook and Instagram, and engage with us. We appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch everybody next week.